I asked Mike. I didn't know what he had planned for tonight, but I just asked him for um, 10 to 15 minutes where I could really just share some of my testimony of what God has done with me over the last 20 years. But more than that, it's just a pleading with you all to dig in into the Word of God in 2021. Okay, so I was trying to figure out how many years ago this started for me, but um, I was—I figured it was around 2003, where actually the Walmart in Temecula was fairly new. I was a mom of preschoolers, and I was walking through Walmart one day, and there was this big—you know how they have displays in the middle of Walmart, and they'll just—they'll be selling something. Well, I was walking through. And there was a display of one-year Bibles. They sell Bibles in Walmart a lot of times. And so I just, it's just funny that I vividly remember walking by this display because what I thought as I was walking past this display is I would never want to read the one-year Bible. Like that just sounds horrible to me. And the reason is, I never want my relationship with God to be something I just check off. Did my reading for today, I'm good, and I just move on. I wanted my relationship with God to totally consume me, and so I thought, that's not, that's not what I'm... I, it was just funny, because that memory is just so vivid to me. So at the time, I was um, going to Calvary Chapel Bible Fellowship in the wine country, and one of the things I do love about Calvary Chapel is, and this is pretty much a pattern for almost every Calvary Chapel that I've ever been to, is they preach through the Word of God. They start in Genesis, they preach every word, every verse through Revelation, and when they get to the end of Revelation, they start back in Genesis because they want their people to know the whole counsel of God. And I love that. So I was going to Calvary Chapel Bible Fellowship at the time. And um, God just gave me a hunger for his word. And I remember so vividly, because I was sitting on my living room couch, I remember it so specifically, and I just thought, I'm going to read the one-year Bible. Just thought came into my mind, and I remembered that day in Walmart, and I thought that was so dumb of me, because I want the whole counsel of God. And so I thought, you know, I, I want to read from cover to cover in a year, and I said, and I was sitting there, and I was kind of talking to God through it, and I thought, but I want to do it with somebody. I want to do it, because then... We can call each other, we can talk about it, we can pray about it, we can wrestle through it. I thought, I want to do it with somebody. So I, I sat there on my couch and I said, God, would you give me one person to read through your, your Bible with me this year? So I thought, okay, I'll call my sister. So I picked up my phone, called Stephanie, and I kind of told her what I was thinking. And I thought, Stephanie, 
do you want to do this with me? She said, yes. I was like, okay. God gave me what I asked for. So we went out, we got a one-year Bible, we started reading. About two weeks later, I was signed up um, to go to the women's retreat at Calvary Chapel, with Calvary Chapel, I was still at that church. And um, it's always, you kind of know when God is up to something, and I knew he was up to something when the, um, the woman who was teaching got up and the entire weekend was on how God had transformed her life by reading the one-year Bible. And she had been doing it for about 20 years. And the entire weekend was story after story after story about how God had met her through his word and made her strong through the one-year Bible. So it so impacted our church at the time and all the women that, you know, two weeks before, I had asked God for one woman to read through the Bible with me that year, and God gave me every single woman that I knew. And my mom and dad started reading it, Joanne started reading it, my sister was reading it, and every single woman at my church, we were all reading the one-year Bible together. So it became, it became this journey, and um, one of the things we decided to do, now this wasn't at the beginning of the year, I think it was like April or May maybe when we, when we went on that retreat, and it just became like I absolutely could not get enough. I could not get enough of his word. And my alarm clock would go off in the morning, and I would just run down the stairs because I could not wait to see what God, how God was going to meet with me that day. And um, so all the women in the church are reading, reading the one-year Bible together. And what they did is they said, why don't you, you know, we're going to get together in groups. And we would just get together in groups. We were just reading God's word, but we would get together and we would talk about what we were reading. And so I said, I'll, I'll, I'll have one at our, my house. And so I just opened up my home once a week. Women would come over. We're talking, you know, about what God was doing through his word in our lives. Well, this one morning, um, I got a phone call from a woman I didn't know. She's from the church, and she says, I can't come to your Bible study, but I have a friend that could really use your Bible study. She just became a Christian, and um, she has three kids. Would you mind having them to your home? I said, sure. She can come. So she came. Her name was Karen, and she showed up, and... Her kids were wild, and it was a crazy morning, um, and they were all out of control, but Karen sat on my couch, and she cried the whole morning, because she was a broken woman. And we just kind of just talked with her, and tried to help her, and share with her. We were reading God's Word, you know, what we'd been reading that week, and we were just talking with her, and uh, I said, ah, I'd love to have you back, I'd love to get together with you, and anyway... Never saw her again. So anyway, end of the summer is coming up, and Caleb is going to be starting kindergarten. And so what I did that year is um, I was so nervous for my kids to go to public school. Um, I just, you know, you protect them. Send, I just, even kindergarten was like the big bad public school, and it was just <laughs> kindergarten. But... Um, I would go down to his school and I would pray. 
and I would pray that God would show me who he wanted me to pour my life into. It was a new world for me, first kid going to school, and so I just would sit there and I'd pray, God, would you show me who to pour my life into? First day of kindergarten comes, and um, walk in. Actually, I'm sorry, it was first grade. You're right. <laughs> kindergarten was at the other school. First grade was the first year. First year at Crown Hill. First grade. Well, I walk into his first grade classroom, and there's Karen. And God said, that's the one. And she was so different from me. And I laugh now because she lived on a farm and had goats and chickens and tractors. And I just thought... That's just so not me, but okay, God, I'll become friends with her. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm starting a friendship with her, and she remembered me. We kind of, you know, she remembered that she came to my house, apologized for never, you know, don't take it personally, I never came back. And Anyway, but we started, I started a friendship with her. Well, about two weeks later, I woke up, I, earlier than normal, I'm an early riser anyway, but on this one morning, I woke up. And it was about uh, 4.20 in the morning. And um, laying there, and I'm thinking, okay, it's too early to get up. But in my mind, I heard this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he prayed. And I rolled over. I'm laying there and trying to go back to sleep. Very early in the morning. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and prayed. Over and over and over again. It just would not stop. So finally I said, okay, God, it's very early. It's still dark. And I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to pray. So whatever you have, just, I'm here. I'm listening. Like, you know, Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. That's, that's kind of what I did. I went downstairs and... And I got out my journal, and I wrote 4.42 a.m. And I basically just said, speak, your servant is listening. And he just said, pray for Karen. And I said, but I don't know how to pray. Because she's such a broken woman. I had my Bible open to August, I don't remember, around August 8th, and it said this, because as I, was, as I was asking God, what do I pray, he just said, look down, and I read this, in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, he inclined to me and he heard my cry, he drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And God just said, that's what you pray. And so I wrote the words of that song down and I just prayed it over her life. That God would reach down and lift her up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, that he would put her feet upon a rock, 
a new song in her mouth, and that somehow, through what he was going to do in her life, many would see and hear and put their hope in the Lord. I don't know how long I prayed for her, but before I knew it, my kids were up, I was getting them ready for school, and we were off. So I'm walking around campus after I dropped off my kids, like, God, you know, do I look for her? Is there something you want me to say? And I couldn't find her. I was looking all over for her, and um, so finally I just, I was, I was leaving the school, and at Crown Hill Elementary School, there's this, these steps that go up, and then it leads into the parking lot. So I was leaving after looking for her, and I ran up the steps. Karen, Karen came to me, and she collapsed in my arms. And she said, I just got off the phone with the doctor. I have cancer, and I haven't told anybody, and I don't know what to do. And I said, come back, come home with me. And I pulled out my journal, and it said, 4.42 a.m., prayer for Karen. And I read her Psalm 40, and I said, but this is what God is going to do in your life. Because he woke me up this morning, and he told me to pray for you, and this is what he's going to do. And she got a one-year Bible, and I said, I don't know where this is going to go, but wherever it goes, I will walk with you. And we did. And she started reading the one-year Bible with me, and she became strong. She died. On July 4th, 2007. When she was alive, her husband would not walk into a church because he despised Christianity. But the day she but when she was dying, he says, Elizabeth, I want you to be the one to take care of her. When she died, she says, I, want, he says, I want you to do her funeral. And all of her neighbors would come to her house. And it was as if we were standing on holy ground. And many heard and saw and trusted in the Lord because of her life, but more so because of her death. She had a twin sister, and two days before she died, her twin sister pulled me aside, and she says, will somebody please tell me why Karen always talks about Psalm 40? And I was able to share with her that story. And I was able to preach to hundreds of people at her funeral. And many were able to see and hear and put their hope in the Lord. Yes, okay. See, I've told this story to, to Carol before. 
and Karen, so the cancer was going to her brain. And I would go help her feed the animals, which I thought was just the craziest thing. We would go around on a little gator. It's like preview of my life. And I would help her put the alfalfa in all the things and, you know, all this stuff. And um, this was the last conversation I had with her before the cancer went to her brain and she could no longer communicate clearly. And um, it's funny because I look at that Christmas tree because it was a tree just like that. We drove up on her gator and we parked. And she says, Elizabeth, go look in that Christmas tree. It wasn't Christmas time. This was, she died in July. This is probably June, you know, mid-June maybe. So the Christmas tree was dead. But inside the tree was a little bird's nest. In it, three little eggs and she started crying and she says isn't that just like God he always brings life out of death but I knew she wasn't talking about the birds she was had faith to know she was dying she had three small kids I was the one who took her little boy to kindergarten two months later she wasn't going to be there but she knew that God would always bring life out of death it's amazing for me to think about her because I walked so closely with her in life. But I was able to bring her into eternity. And her husband asked me, I know some of you know Valerie Totopilo, Jan Young. He says, I want you guys to carry her casket. And we laid her in the ground. When we laid her in the ground, I knew that one day she was going to raise up again because she put her hope in the Lord. That's where my journey with the one year Bible began. And I could tell you, I could sit here for the next three hours and tell you story after story after story of how God has met me just like that morning he did with Karen. I have found it to be a tool that allows me to start January 1st in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And on December 31st, we're in the kingdom. And I see the whole plan of God year after year after year and after year and way more than the amazing stories of God showing up and meeting me like he did with Karen what he's done for me is made me strong and we live in a culture of Christianity that is so weak 
And we've seen it more than ever this year. And I'm here today to exhort you and to encourage you to join me on the journey of seeking God in His Word and becoming strong. I was driving down our driveway. This was just a couple months ago. And um, it's interesting because this year I did something different. I wanted specifically, because see here, we talk about the kingdom. I mean, that's pretty much all we talk about, right? We're, this is a ministry. This ranch, the ministry of this place is that we might declare the kingdom of God to the nations, starting with you guys. And I said, you know, I love my father-in-law, but I'm not going to believe a word he says. <laughs> I am not going to believe a word he says unless I see it in this book. And I asked God at the beginning of this year, show me your kingdom. And I have to stay at the end when I have four days left and I have walked away. I talk to Mike all about it all the time. Stunned. Because I've read through all of these books before, but never quite with the same eyes that I did this year, where I'm looking for his kingdom, where a king is going to come and he's going to rule from the beginning to the end. And that's the king I want to serve. And I'm telling you, and this is no lie, but I was driving down the driveway of my ranch just thinking about how huge God is and how big his kingdom is and how overarching his rule is. And I thought, I'm invincible. I mean, that's really what I thought because I am in his kingdom and there's nothing that can happen to me outside of his rule. Nothing. I don't have to be afraid of cancer. I don't have to be afraid of coronavirus. I don't have to be afraid of anything happening because I am living in his kingdom. And should I die, I will wake up before his throne. And that's where I desire to be more than any, anything else. So, Psalm 9:10. When I was when I was adopting Mary Grace, and I can't go into the whole. I could tell you so many stories, but I didn't want to take up the whole evening. But um, when I was adopting Mary Grace, God used the one-year Bible throughout her entire adoption, and. Um, but one of the things I learned is Psalm 910. Psalm 910 says, Those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you have never forsaken those who seek you. And I can stand here before you today, 20 years later, and say, He has never forsaken me. Not only has he never forsaken me, but I have found the more faith I put in him, the more he shows up. So why would I not just throw it all on him? And that's what I've chosen to do. So, I'm going to tell you one more story, and I'm just going to close with this. 
during the process of Karen's death, Derek and I were also in the process of adopting Mary Grace, and God used the one-year Bible to show up in ways that, if you ever want to know, come talk with me, I'll tell you, because I don't have time to tell you now, but, but, um, needless to say, um, this one day, this was probably maybe six months after we adopted Mary Grace, um, Derek and I had pretty much spent all of our money on international adoption is incredibly expensive. And we had probably spent all of our money. We had none left. And when I said we had none left, feeding the family was really, really difficult. And on this particular day, um, the cupboards were bare. The checkbook was empty. The bank account. And um, I got a phone call. Here, here God, you know, crying out to God because felt like we followed you. We adopted this child and we would never, we would spend everything that we have. Matter of fact, we will again and again and again until we are too old to adopt. We, would, we just love orphans. That's what God has called us to. And if it costs all of our money, so be it. But um, still, it, it pays a price. So... Um, I, we were broke, basically, and I got a phone call kind of out of the blue from a really good friend of mine, and um, she called this one morning, and, you know, we're broke, and we're praying for money, and just asking God to provide, and she called, and she says, Elizabeth, you're never going to believe it. We just got this extra money in, and remember that time, like, five years ago, when you helped us get into an apartment? Well, we want to give you back what you gave to us. So, you know, I don't know. They had like a $1,000 check for us. And I thought, you actually had no idea, you know, what that was going to do for us. So anyway, she's like, I'm, I'm going to bring it over later because the kids were going to play. She's like, I'm going to bring it over later. And I was just all day long. I'm thanking God. Like, I can't believe. I never, we never even expected to get that money back. And here she is. She's going to give us this check today. And I just was kind of shocked. Anyway. She got to my house, and she says, oh, shoot, I forgot my checkbook. <laughs> I thought, okay, uh, okay, thanks, you know, she's like, I'll get it to you next time, and I'm thinking, oh, man, anyway, so no money coming in, and the next morning, I woke up, and I used to work one day a week at my dad's office. It was a way for us to make a little bit of extra money. And my mom would come up and would watch the kids for me. It was She got to spend the day with the kids. I got to go work for my dad, and uh, I loved doing it. But this particular morning, I was really struggling. And um, I was wrestling with God because it was, God, you knew. I didn't ask that we needed that money. I'm embarrassed because my mom's coming up and I'm thinking there's not even food to feed the kids. And I'm just kind of like, <sighs> just anyway, I'm downstairs. It's early in the morning and, um, and I'm crying. And I'm just pouring out my heart to God. And um, talking to him about Okay, God, what are we going to do here? 
And I open up my one-year Bible, and I read this. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear to me and come here that your soul may live. I was just bawling. Because on the day that I had no food, God just said, come to me. So like I did often, because I didn't want my kids to come downstairs and see their mom falling apart, I would go into my, remember my old house, I had that bathroom right off my kitchen, so I went in there, locked the door, fell on my face, bawling before God. I said, okay, I'm going to believe you. See, because we can't just read it. We act on faith. And I says, I'm going to believe you, that you will do what your word has said you will do. So, so I said, okay, God, I'm going to make a deal with you. <laughs> and it wasn't about food. about Christ. My cupboards were empty and I had nothing to eat. And I said, I don't want more food. I want more of you. And so I'm not going to ask you today for more food. I'm going to ask you to come and live your life in me. Whatever it looks like. And then I was like, I, I don't know, I get kind of weird like this, where it's like this challenge, this challenge of faith, where I just, I so want to live a, a faithful life, that when I have this challenge before me, that God is saying, are you going to believe me? It's sort of like, oh yeah, like I am, I'm going to do this. So I got up, and I was just like, honestly, I was full of joy. Because I thought, what is God going to do today? So I got up, and I, and I looked in my pantry, because I think I still got to feed my kids breakfast, and there was a box of pancake mix I didn't realize we had, and then needed no eggs, and just add water. So I was like, okay, I, I have pancakes, my kids are fed, we're okay. So made them pancakes, and it even looked like we had a big mess in the kitchen. My mom got there. And I looked like, wow, you know, they, they have plenty of food. Anyway, um, I went to work, and I'm driving to work, and I realize in the middle of driving to work that in the chaos of trying to get out the door, I had forgotten to eat. I had one dollar. Now, I could have gone to my dad and said, hey, dad, can I have some money? But I wasn't going to do that. Because God 
was going to take care of me today. Now I was going to use that one dollar for a jack-in-the-box chicken sandwich for lunch. But I knew if I waited to lunch, I'd start shaking and I, wouldn't, I would not be able to work. So I said, I am going to take this dollar and I'm going to buy myself a bagel. God, lunch is on you. I'm asking you to feed me lunch. And if you don't, I will go to the park and I will feast on your word, which is better to me than any lunch you could ever give me. So I went to the bagel store, got a bagel, went back in to work, and I walked in the office, and there before me was an entire platter of bagels. <laughs> so it never happened before, but um, God just did it, of course, just the way God is. He's so much richer and bigger than I could ever ask or imagine. So I thought, there it is. I love bagels. Matter of fact, I was thinking this the other day, and I, I really do. I love bagels, and I love bread, and I was thinking, because bread at my age, I think I should lay off the bread. So the other day, this was, this was literally like two weeks ago, I try to eat less bread, but I love it so much, and I thought, okay, so I'm hungry, it's breakfast time, in my refrigerator there's two things. There is yogurt, and there is bagels. I thought, I should eat the yogurt, but I really want the bagel. But I just have to tell you, this is really, and I just, from now on, I'm going to tell you, I'm always going to eat the bagel, because this is God You know what God said to me? He said, I am the bread of life. And God created bread because he knows it satisfies. Yogurt doesn't. It doesn't. So now it's become a spiritual thing, and now I just kind of like, I'm always going to eat the bagel. But on this morning, on this morning, I had my bagel, and he provided an entire platter of bagels for lunch. I said, well, there it is, God. You provided me with lunch, and I didn't have to do anything. So I go, lunchtime comes, I'm going to get, there's like 20 different kinds, and go grab a bagel. <laughs> and a guy from my, the office says, hey, Elizabeth, you know, my wife packed me some extra stuff. You want my fruit? Sure. <laughs> I think, okay. Like I'm, I'm like to me, it's between me and God, right? So I, I take his, I take his fruit, bagel, fruit. My dad walks in. He says, Elizabeth, I'm going to the deli across the street. Do you want a sandwich? No, Dad. Actually, I'm full. I don't. I, I've already eaten. This is lunch number three. <laughs> so, so anyway, so he went and he bought the sandwich and he went to eat it. He came back again and he says, I couldn't finish my sandwich. Do you want to finish my sandwich? And I says, you know what, Dad? Yes, I absolutely do. Because if God is going to feed me three lunches, I'm going to eat every single one. So... 
So I, uh, I ate lunch, and I, I get in the car, and I call my friend Anna Marie. I don't know if anybody went to the barn and knew Anna Marie. Our green couches in our old house used to be from her. Um, she's now in heaven with Jesus. But I called her, and I said, Anna Marie, I trusted God for lunch, and he fed me. All on the day, he said, come. You who have no money, come by and eat. He fed me. Driving home that day, my, my brother was just getting ready to get married, and my mom was babysitting the kids. And uh, she said, hey, can you meet me at Costco? Because I have to get some stuff for um, Vanessa's. They were getting married. I was going to be hosting a bridal shower. And said, let's go get the stuff for the bridal shower and stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I don't have any money. It's going to be awkward. But she's like, I'll just, you know, we'll go. Um, anyway, I met her there. And my mom proceeded to buy me. Not one, but two overflowing Costco baskets full of food. So that when we got to my van, had we bought one more item of food, it went to fit. And I got home that evening, put all the groceries away, and everybody else went to bed. And it was just me and God. And I opened up my pantry, and God says, this is what I do for the woman who trusts in me. And it's not about food. It's about Christ and what he does when we trust in him. And so my invitation, now my ministry is to women. I love all of you guys, but my ministry is to women. And my invitation to you is to join me in this book this year. I am going to start on January 1st. We are going to be in Genesis 1-1. And we are going to go through actually the way it is. Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. It's beautiful because you're able to see how God is predicting and showing the coming Messiah. And then in the New Testament, you see the Messiah and you see this big picture and it all flows together. And you see at the end of the day in Malachi and Revelation, his kingdom is everlasting. And it's what we live for. And it's where we're going. So I'm inviting you guys to join me this year in this book. And I don't know what it will look like. I've had ideas about doing it together. I would, If you guys want to do it together, talk to me. I'll meet with you. We'll do it together. But I want it to be a community of women who are strong. Because we are built up in God's word. Because this book, this is where we know him. And this is where we become strong. So I'm just going to close with these verses again. Because this is now my invitation to you. And by the way, you don't have to be a woman to read the one-year Bible. <laughs> so this is my invitation to you all. 
Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me and hear that your soul may live. And that's the invitation. It's life. It's life. That we might hear his words and have life. I have two one-year Bibles. Oh, I wanted to buy a whole stack and they were sold out. I have two. Whoever wants them, they're, they're yours. You can buy them on Amazon. Sometimes they're at Barnes Noble, but I bought the last two they had. Um, you can go online, type in one-year Bible. We'll have every verse you need to read for every day. You can do it that way. This year I did it differently because I just I wrote all the dates in my book, so now this is my one-year Bible. Now my, my daughter got me this, and I kind of made my own last year, so now I have my own. Or you can listen to it. There's plenty of one-year Bible audio. If you're better at listening, I know Joanne. Daily audio Bible. Daily audio Bible. I love So the invitation is just here. I want this community, these people, to be strong. And you, you, you are made strong in the Word of God. So that's my invitation. I'm going to pray. Because this is it. This is it for the, for the year. Next year will be, next week will be two days in to the new year. But I'm going to pray. God, our desire is to bless you every day. And the more of you I see in your word, the more I want to bless you. And yet you turn around and you call me by name. And you know the deepest thoughts, the deepest hurts, and you've made me whole. And the more I see of you, the more I love you. And I pray for this group of people with me, that God, they, you would give them the heart to read your word, to meet you in the pages of the book that you have written for us. And that this group of people here would be strong. That we would all be able to look at life and say, it doesn't matter. I'm a part of your kingdom. God, would you do that in us this year? And I ask this in the name of your son, who paid the price that I could be a part of your kingdom and whose blood I claim 
as my own that washes me and makes me new. Meet us, God. Meet us in your word and teach us to be people of your word this year. I trust that you will do it. Amen.